Um, let's come in agreement in prayer. Lord, there's power uh, when the body of Christ is assembled together. It says there's power for healing. There's power for answered prayers. There's power um, to lift burdens and to break chains and to set the captives free. And this morning, Lord, at the um, preaching of your word, that you would empower by your Holy Spirit, breathe life upon this message, Lord, that you would craft it uh, to be manna this morning for whatever the need is. Um, we just thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is able to do that. Whatever the, whatever the need is, whatever um, the, 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 the need or the, the rejoicing, whether, whether there's a burden, whatever, Lord, you are able to craft this message to meet that need. And we thank you, Lord, and we give you praise as the body of Christ this morning. Breathe life from your Holy Spirit upon this message and upon your congregation. Open up our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. You know, we sang this morning. About Jesus, we sang, um, who was, who is, and is to come. The gospel is actually... Um, a continuation and we're waiting we're in that we're in that um, gap between his resurrection and him coming again we're living within that time period right now um, there's a lot of things happening in the world right now and it would be remiss not to mention those things that are happening not to dwell on the negative but to show the crucialness of the hour and the strength that our God gives us within this environment that we can have confidence in him that he's still on the throne and he's in control and he actually gave us a heads up on all these things before he left and he says don't be troubled he says uh, in this world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer i've overcome the world you know i was preaching on that last week there's so many things happening right now if you're paying attention some people are so disgusted or so troubled that you actually turn off the news i don't really watch cnn or fox or any of the uh, so-called mainstream media or lamestream media anymore because I can't believe anything that comes across there. But there is stuff that when you see uh, information that comes across from a Christian worldview of people that I respect and have known over the years and I see it accompanying with possible videos and you're hearing the stories affiliated with it or just the outright videos of things that are going on there, um, you cannot discount the fact that things are crazy and it's off the charts right now did you guys see the flooding that took place in germany this past week i mean it was devastating you know devastating did you guys see what's happening in south africa uh, this past week with the unrest over corruption and a um, jailing of their president um, former president and there was a faction within the country that just started rioting and looting and it was almost to the point where they were fearing they did call the national guard out and fearing of a revolution going on in that country we also have that going on in cuba it's going on in france it's going on around the world right now it's almost too much to keep up with natural disasters um major major amounts of flooding we talked a little bit about this in the bible study um, about the earth it seems to be in travail right now the earth is groaning right now and i want to go once again to my favorite chapter in the scriptures romans 8 and um, i want to start from 
just as a review, I'm just going to read through chapter 8, verse 12, and then read down. I want to stop at verse 18. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You know, when we're led by God's Spirit, that is the identifier uh, that we are not under condemnation of the law, and we're actually being able to operate as sons of God. We can call God Abba, Father. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we crowd Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together with him. So there's an element of union of being glorified together with God, but also there's that element of suffering. There's a balance going on here. And last week I touched on that a little bit, that I said that, you know, I was reading that book um, by Max Licata, it was called No Fear. And it was talking about the reality of the world of which we live in, in a fallen world. This isn't the world that God intended. This is a fallen world, and it's a dangerous place. He was saying, you know, we all see those drug commercials that come on, you know, if you watch uh, TV, and they're, you know, uh, uh, advertising some pharmaceutical drug, and after they show these happy people in fields of flowers, they have somebody reading off the side effects of this at 90 miles an hour, and, and with, with happy, happy music, it might make called deaths, and, and seizures, and all these things, and it's just like, whoa, why would I want to take that, you know? And it's almost as if when we come into this world, should we have somebody reading that disclaimer over our life? This, this life is very perilous. You might be subject to this. You might be, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of perils in this life. And yet, God knows that, and he brings us through that, and he covers us in those things, and we have to have confidence. You know, I love that, that testimony that morning. That is so succinct of how God operates. It looks like it's over. What are we doing? It's, we're to the edge of the cliff. And then it's like that Indiana Jones movie where he says, this is an act of faith. You step out on that precipice and all of a sudden a bridge appears in front of you and you make it over to the other side. It seems to be God's method. You know, it's our testing of our faith. Are we going to still trust him even though you don't see any solution here? You don't see what is going to come out of your mouth at that moment is what gives God you ever considered the word glory? What does that mean? That give God glory? Or he was glorified? It's somebody who is acknowledged for some notable task or notable deed, which there cannot be anything more higher than that than Christ taking all our sins upon himself, going to the cross, and then conferring his righteousness upon us if we have faith in what he's done. And our job is to give God glory. Thank you, Lord, for doing this. Thank you, Lord. And Christ was glorified before his Father. He was glorified before the angels. He was glorified before his three disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. They never saw anything like that before. He brought them up. You know, this, some people say it was close to Mount Hermon, which is up around the border of Israel, uh, the mountains in Lebanon, in that region. And it says that this cloud overshadowed them. And all of a sudden, there was three figures there. There was, there was Moses and Elijah. I believe they represent the law and the prophets. And Peter was so overwhelmed with this. He goes, this is good for us to be here. He didn't know what else to say. I got to say something. Let us build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. 
and then the, this voice that came from the cloud before he was even finished speaking it says this is my beloved son hear him he eclipses everything that has come before that. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The glory of God. And when they came down, they're shining. This is it. They saw Christ's face. It says he became shining like the sun. We sang that this morning. Shining like the sun. His, his clothes are whiter than any launderer could have made him sparkling. And they're like, whoa, he's in his glory. They hit the ground in their fear of this Jesus who they're walking the streets of Nazareth and Galilee and the walking the dusty roads of the Middle East and all of a sudden they see this glorified Christ and they hit the ground like they're dead men and he puts his hand on them and says do not fear and they stood up do we know who Jesus is how do we know who Jesus how do we put him in a proper perspective we cannot put God in a box and it's a constantly evolving view that we have of or it should be. That's how we're growing in faith. That's how we're growing from glory to glory. Is we get a revelation of who Christ is. Therefore, our hearts can be given to him. Even in the midst of hard situations. Because we still realize, wow God, you did so much for me. This present light affliction is working for us. An eternal weight of glory. Glory. And I believe that when we go through hardship and we go to him and we take these things to him in prayer and we get on our knees and say, I'm, I'm broken right now. I'm weak right now. And we ask him for strength. He'll strengthen us in that time of need. And all we can do is turn around and say, thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. I get chicken skin when I hear God answered prayer in such a big way. And it says that that's one of the things that the Lord promises. He says, ask that you would receive that your joy may be made full. By this, my Father, is glorified that you bear much fruit. So when we ask, we should ask in faith that we believe that we're going to see these things. And sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it doesn't happen right away. You know, you look at the story of Abraham and him. And that was years, years of waiting on that promise. But it was a big promise. Maybe the longer the wait, the bigger the blessing. I don't know. So don't give up. We don't give up. Faith is a substance. Faith is something tangible. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Not yet seen. But God says he answers all prayers when we call. It's either yes, no, or wait. In the kingdom of God. Amen. So it goes on in here. Verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The glory that shall be revealed in us. It says that when we stand firm and we're looking up and we're waiting upon our Lord because he told us, he says, before I come back, this is what it's going to look like. He said it's going to be troublous times. It's going to be times of violence. He said it's going to be times like the days of Noah. I always wondered about that. You know, it's like the days of Noah. And there's a lot to that. And there's there even to do, with the, to do, I believe, with this vaccination thing that they're trying to do right now. I believe there's a linkage to that, to the days of Noah. Right? But one of the things that's happening right now, it, it says that, you know, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, buying and selling, building and doing their thing. Just doing normal life until the flood came and took them all away. That's just what I heard about that thing in Germany. And, and there's multiplied in, in, in the Middle East right now. I mean, I've never seen rain like this in the Middle East. I mean, massive amounts. They said they turned the desert into a lake. 
with the amount of water that just went out there recently. It's just, if you look, these things are very easy to find. These calamities that are happening. The earth is in travail right now. The earth is convulsing because it's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. It's waiting for the release of the bondage that's under this weight of sin that the Bible, they want to say it's global warming. It's not global warming. It could be weather weapons. Man is evil and they have these tools that they got nowadays where they can steer the weather into places. They can cause massive floods or they can cause droughts on the west coast. They haven't seen a decent rain in, in years. The reservoir, you see Lake Mead or the um, um, Hoover Dam. That thing is down. They go, man, if he keeps dropping, we're not even going to be able to generate power. It's so bad. What's going to happen with all these people living in California? All these people living in Vegas when there's no water. This is happening right now. These things are happening. But Jesus says when you begin to see these things, these things, these signs, these trials, these tra travailing, it says look up, lift up your eyes for your redemption drawn nigh. We sang it this morning. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. And we sang about it. Do we really believe it? That he is coming back? Who was, who is, who is to come? And he wrote one third of the Bible is talking about prophetic things and a lot about this second coming. And we're seeing these things taking place before our eyes. Do you know that they want to go door to door now and ferret out the people who have not taken the vaccination? And um, I saw a video from somewhere in South America where this guy was resisting. He goes, I don't want to take the vaccination. They chased him. They had these... Um, medical people, I don't even know if they're medical people, maybe it's somebody, worker from 7-Eleven and they put a hazmat suit on them and they chased him up to the top of the roof did anybody see this video? and have him pinned down and they're injecting him with this stuff, against his will it's somewhere in South America I want to say Argentina uh, does it, Dwayne, do you know? it was in Argentina it's crazy, it's crazy, total violation of our temple, our body it's absolutely wrong Oh yeah, I mean this is this is wide wide open right now. In fact, I was just looking at some statistics this morning that they said in the countries where they have the highest rate of vaccination are the highest rate of supposed um, this new variant, this this Delta virus. I, I thought you guys were all safe that you took this vaccination. What's going on here? It's, we're being lied to, lied to. The first thing that Jesus said about this age, he says, be not deceived. We're living in times of deception. Be careful where, what you hear and who you hear it from. We cannot trust everything we hear anymore. In fact, I got sort of uh, led astray slightly a bit. I heard some news recently, and they said, oh, we're, we're, there was three different gas uh, distributors or, or uh, franchises of this. And they said, this is your last delivery of this tanker. Fill up your tanks. Once, once you're done with this, shut it down at 10%, and that's your last delivery. And so I go, wow, if this is widespread, we're going to hear about this not too long from now. And it never, I never heard anything materialize about that. But there was an exercise that we're doing. It was called the grid down scenario. What happens if the grid falls apart? How would society survive? It could be a test. Just see what, what happens. If they, let's, let's, uh, let's kick the ant hill and see how the ants scramble now. You know, these people are wicked who are in charge right now. But they're not in charge. They're the minions and God is in charge. And God is getting his way. Amen? Amen. Verse 19 and 
Uh, Romans 8, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Say, I am a son of God. I am a son of God. And creation is waiting for us right now. Amen. It says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. God put the creation. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, where there was the fall of mankind, and then God had to bring everybody uh, in front of his, his uh, judgment here, and he told the devil, because you have did this, done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle of the earth. On your belly you'll go. You'll eat the dust of the earth the days of your life. To the woman, because you have done this, you're going to, in childhood, you're going to bear children in pain. And then the husband, you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow to provide for you. The curse came, and it says the earth is going to produce thorns and thistles. And he, he had to uh, take them out of the Garden of, of Eden and prevent them from the Tree of Life because they were fallen at this point, and it wasn't good for them to eat that and go on in this condition. But God says, I have a remedy. I'm going to send my son, and he's going to crush the head of the serpent, and this thing is going to be restored. So at the very beginning, God had a plan here. What we're seeing right now in this world, this fragile, uh, failed, violent earth is not God's original intention. This is a fallen version of what God intended. And here it says there's coming a point where God subjected it, but he didn't just do this willing, you know, he didn't just do it for no reason. Or he said, I subjected it in hope that there was a garden of Eden. There was a perfect re, uh, union with man and God. There was at that time and there's a restoration coming. But it took thousands of years. We're on the very end of that right now. Of this thousands of years of God's plan. 4,000 years from the creation to the cross. And about 2,000 years. We're closing in on the 2,000 year of this period. And it would be six. The uh, book of Peter says a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. We're on the sixth day right now. And after that a Sabbath. After that a rest. The millennial period. A thousand year period. It makes perfect sense. We're on the very tail end of this. It says in verse 21, Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know the whole uh, creation groans with labor and birth pangs together until now. You know, that's one of the things that the G, what Jesus' his disciples were looking at the temple and says, they said, man, look at all these magnificent stones and look at this. Look at what we're able to do as the nation of Israel. Look at this tremendous temple that we built. We've been working on this thing for 40 something years and, and look at it. It's uh, magnificent jewels and stones and things gilded in gold. And Jesus said, you see that temple? Not one stone will be left upon another. It won't be thrown down. And they're like, what? When is this going to take place? What is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And he goes through in Matthew 24, Luke 13, Matthew, uh, um, uh, Luke 21, uh, Mark 13. And he gives a description of this age. But one of the things he says that it would look like, he says it would look like birth pangs. Birth pangs. A woman gives birth, not to get you scared. <laughs> Nicole, but as you get closer to the birth, the birthing event, and even Jackie, um, there's going to be that stab of pain, that initial stab. It's like, ah, oh, something's happening here. And then it, uh, it wait a little bit, and then another one. And then as it gets closer and closer, uh, the water bag breaks, and then all of a sudden, there's these things are staccato, just boom and boom, and they're happening in more frequency and more intensity. I would say that we're living in that right now. 
You know, we've seen a lot of these things that were just kind of, yeah, we're going along. But now, you know, before it was like, oh, that's the hundred year flood. Now they got the new term. It's the thousand year flood. The thousand year flood. We haven't seen this kind of flood. You can only have once in a thousand years because everything is intensifying. It's reminiscent of birth pangs because a baby's about to be born. A new life is about to be given. This whole planet is going to be delivered from this corruption. You land on Maui uh, from the mainland. And uh, when you see stuff from with new eyes, you know, fresh eyes that we've been gone for that long and then land. And I'm just like, man, this place looks sick. It, you know, they stopped growing the cane and the fields are all dust and everything is just crispy brown. It's like, man, what happened to Maui? What happened to the beauty of this place? If I was a tourist and I came here, I'd be kind of sorely disappointed, to be honest with you. I mean, there's still a lot of natural beauty to be seen. But the overall look of this island, man, it, 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 it's and not only here, you go to parts of the mainland and you just see it's in decline because of this. Because we're getting close to that place where God says he's coming back. And we shouldn't be putting all our hopes and our dreams on this planet. Because this place is passing away. It's passing away. And praise God that we have a hope beyond this life. If this all there was, that would be a sad existence, I must say. That, that just hoard as much stuff because he who dies with the most goods uh, wins the game. And then what, you die? And that's it? If that's the point of life, that's pretty sad. But if the point of life is to get to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to live for Him, to be a witness. You know the word witness? You look that word up in the, in the Strong's Concordance. The, witness, the word witness means to be a marturo, a martyr. That we die every day when we serve the Lord. Not my will, Lord, your will be done. It's, it's hard sometimes. But it's worth it. It's worth it because it's giving God glory. And when we see him, it says if we uh, if we're in Christ, it says when we see him, we will see him as he is and we will be like him. That's pretty amazing. It goes on in verse 23. It says not only that, but we also have the first fruits, first fruits in the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption and redemption of our body. It says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, is what it says. Do you know in the book of Thessalonians it confirms we're a triune being, we're a spirit, soul, and body. Amen? When we die, because the Lord redeemed us, this body goes into the grave. This body goes into the grave and the spirit and the soul ascend up into heaven. But what happened when Jesus died and resurrected on the third day? That's what's so special about the resurrection of Jesus. We can look at the Bible and say, well, he raised other people from the dead. Lazarus got raised from the dead. This guy got raised. Elijah, somebody touched his bones and his body came back to life. But they all died again. Jesus resurrected and he made a point to say, feel me, touch me, put your hand in the nail prints of my hand here. Put your hand in my side over here because I'm showing you I am the first fruits of this type of resurrection. You will also participate in this, but not yet. When you die, the body still goes like a seed. It goes into the ground. But there's coming a day when the dead in Christ shall rise first. I thought we were already up there. The dead who died. 
I thought we were up there already. We are. Those who have died in Christ are already seated in the heavenly realm. But at that trumpet blast of this event that's coming shortly, the rapture of the church, it says the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is what this is talking about right here. This took me a while to recognize this, but I go, this is, he's talking about the rapture of the church. He's talking about the full redemption because he's talking about the redemption of the body. At first, it's spirit and soul goes back to the Lord, but the body goes into the grave and suffers corruption. But it goes on, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? If we're praying for a new car, I want a new car, Lord. I just really believe you for a new car. And I'm hoping and I'm praying for that car. The moment that that car shows up, you're no longer hoping for it. You possess it now, right? Same like this right here. We have been saved in hopes of a resurrected body. And we're waiting on that hope to be consummated. And if we had it right now, it would no longer be called hope. It would be fulfillment, right? But we wait right now. We wait right now. It says, we're saved in this hope, verse 24, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Perseverance. It's exactly what it sounds like. Perseverance. I looked up that word years ago. In the middle of that says severe. To go through hardship over a protracted period of time. With your eyes still on the prize. With your eyes still on the Lord. It says I'm waiting on you Lord. I'm doing your will Lord. You are the Lord. And there's nothing here worthy of me selling my life out right now. Because the Bible does talk about a time. That there would be an apostasy from the faith. There would be a turning away. Because maybe it got too hard. Maybe it's not popular to be a Christian. Maybe in America it's not that easy to be a Christian. What about when these guys come knocking door to door? Are we in for the long haul? By God's grace he'll let us stand. We have to look to the Lord. We have to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. Because I see these things. I see these troubles that we're seeing. And it's, it's not... That it caught God off guard. He told us about this. He told us about this. And the word is replete with this. We're going to be going through the book of Acts in a Bible study. And it's going to show that this is the par for the course for the church. To go through hardship. But yet see God move mightily in the midst of those hardships. To see God do tremendous things that we cannot do. Because he wants to perform his word. Amen. I want to go to the Gospel of John. I want to read this scripture. This is something that Jesus prayed um, over his disciples. And he also prayed it over us. John 17, it says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven. 17.1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life as many as those who have given him. And this is the eternal life, that they may know that you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. 
And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had in you before the world was. Isn't that an amazing statement right there? Amazing. Talking about, you wonder, what is the word glory? What does that mean? Glory. What is that? It's just, we throw around words and we don't consider the definition or what it actually means. But Christ was with God the Father from eternity. Before the foundation of the world. Before anything. And he's here and he's going to the cross and he's praying for himself to be fortified to be able to face this. But not only that, he's wanting to confer this Thing that he's going to do for us upon those who have been with him. His, his first his apostles and then also those who would hear this message from them. That's us down through the generations. We are birthed from this right here. This event where Christ was praying in the garden to confer this glory that he had with his father. He goes, man, I love these people and I see down the line of generations and I see the church of the firstborn and I see these believers over there and I want them to be with us in glory, Father, like I was with you from the foundations of the earth. Don't let them miss this. Amen. It goes on in verse 20. I do not pray. See, he prays in, in verse 6 through uh, 19 for his disciples specifically. He says, Lord, I don't want them to be taken out of the world. And we, if you know the history of the church, every single one of the um, apostles was martyred for their faith except for John. They tried to kill him, but they couldn't kill him. He died a natural death. And Jesus, you remember when uh, Peter and John were talking and there was sort of a rivalry going on there and he says Jesus is telling Peter I want you to feed my sheep he's like what what if you love me tend my sheep Peter if you love me feed my sheep and he was just like, and he, he's, he's like shook up because he denied the Lord three times he gets restored three times he's given a message uh, uh, um, he's given a, a mission from God and then he looks over to John and he says what about him he says, what's that to you about him if, if, if he's here till I come back? And then it says the saying went out that Jesus is, if before John dies, Jesus is coming back. Not necessarily what he said. He said, what is it to you if I will that to be? But we also know that John saw the resurrected Christ on the island of Patmos, saw God in his glory once again and hit his knees and gave us the awesome book of Revelation. That if you want to be blessed... Read the book of Revelation. It's the only book in the Bible that promises a blessing. And you say, man, it's scary. But it gives you the end of the story. It shows you the labor pains and how it ends up in glory. So we're forewarned. We're, our mind is set. Okay, it's, it's going to get hard. It's going to get hard. But God is there for us. And he already sees me seated in heavenly place. I already have a reservation at the wedding table. I have a reservation at this, this glorious uh, uh, event that's going to take place. The marriage supper of the Lamb. That we look beyond this troubles of this world. We look to that. Amen. But this is the part where Jesus prays for us. In verse 20 it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. The apostles. That they may be one uh, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that, that they may be one just as we are one. 
So that's, you know, that's like the consummation of this glory that Jesus already sees. The moment in, in, in Romans, that's what it's talking about, that we're in Christ. Those who are, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It's already positionally that. And we just have to walk this thing out. We have to, we have to hang in there. We have to persevere through the tough times because the promise is so great. And God has given us his Holy Spirit. It says that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father, that he's interceding for us, that we have a body of Christ, that if we have needs, that we can bring it before the church and have people pray for us. So we have a lot of support. Amen. Even though times get tough. And he's promising this, this glory. You know, when when the Lord gave us this um, logo for the church, you know, I'm... Ran it over in my mind many, many times, and, and it's very symbolic what's there. But you see in the middle of that shield, there's a one. And uh, I believe that's synonymous with the oneness of God. The Lord our God is one God. And He's one with us. The Father's in Him, He's in the Father, and we're in Christ, so we're in the Father and the Son. It also has the wings over there that are the covering of the Holy Spirit, just like Psalms 91. He covers us with His wings. You know, there was things that he showed me even after it was done. Then I go, wow, that's interesting. And it says, uh, if you look on below the one, it says S and T. So church of the firstborn. It looks like a military insignia. But it also means the father is looking for those who are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord, for the wind of the Holy Spirit. The promise was made to the church of Philadelphia. It says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which is coming upon the earth to try them that dwell upon the earth. That if we're persevering, that if we're looking up, if we're waiting, there was a promise made to a particular church. There's other promises within the churches, those seven churches. Uh, in the first uh, chapter uh, 2 and 3. But there's also, in the book of Hebrews, there's the promise that God would give us the grace and we could glorify God regardless of whether we go up in the rapture or whether we suffer a martyr's fate. And I just pray for the grace of God, which is His ability placed within us to be who we're supposed to be and do what we're supposed to do regardless of what happens. You know, it's just like Joss's testimony. That's, that's, that's exactly what God is looking for. I'm not serving God because I'm getting a bunch of goodies out of this deal. I'm serving God because I give you glory. You are worthy. Regardless of what happens. We have to be steeled to that reality. Amen? That's the reality. It's ugly. There's a lot of ugly things going on out there right now. But there's also the beauty of the Lord. The beauty of His holiness, the sanctity of His congregation, the sheltering under His wings in the midst of trial and tribulation. That's where we need to strive to be. When you begin to see these things, look up, lift up your head because your redemption draws nigh. I'm going to redeem not only your spirit and soul, I'm redeeming your bodies. Something that has never happened yet except in Christ and those who resurrected on that morning with Him. These are promises in his word. We know that God says, I place my word above my head, above my name, that he will not violate his word. So we can meditate upon these things. 
We can get them in our spirit and we can have confidence that God will fulfill his word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.